I'm Ebony K. Williams, attorney and host. Welcome to Holding Court, where we analyze the latest legal headlines that everybody's already talking about. But we dig deep into how the courts impact the culture. We break it all down, going straight from gavel to your newsfeed. And every week, we keep it 100. Right, Dustin? That's right, E. Let's hold court. Well, Dustin Ross, I would ask you how your weekend was, but I know at least one day it was fire because <laughs> you spent it with me. Yes, I did. <laughs> Look, highlight, okay, oh, of my it weekend. Was so fun. It was an amazing time. Thank you for spending. Thank, thanks for clearing out your calendar. Listen, okay. You I blew some some other situation out the water just to. I'm sure extend. you did. We talking about Ebony K of the Williams, of the Williams. okay, and that calendar. Um, yeah, it was. It was. I just needed. You know, someday you just need to have a kickback with mm-hmm, your friends. Mm-hmm. And oh, back did we kick? All the way, we my, back, back. my back still hurt when <laughs> we kicked it so back so hard. Shit. You know, I also, though, want to give a quick shout out to um, the NAACP Image mm. Awards. Yeah. Yes, where you were looking dapper as always on that red carpet with that fitted double-breasted Prada. Okay? <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes. I, I had to do that because I was representing us. Yes, you okay? were. Okay. And um, just thank you to the NAACP Image Awards. Mm-hmm. We were nominated. Outstanding news. A key word of that. Nomination, uh-huh. outstanding. outstanding. Okay, let's remember that. Hey, show you knock me out. Woo! Okay, now, <laughs> um, we were in a great category, yes, Outstanding we News and Information Podcast. We got so much love, Ebony. Yeah, so congratulations many to The Daily Show and yes, our boy. Yes, Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah, uh, Roy Wood Jr. Roy Wood Jr., And that yeah. team. Um, however, we'll see y'all next year. Yeah, oh, we'll definitely see their asses next year. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's on now. It's on okay. and popping. <laughs> okay. Roy covered it by uh, D. It's about uh, congratulations on your nomination. Fuck you, Roy. Uh, okay. uh, no, I'm just playing. It's much love. But, uh, he's hilarious. He's hysterical. Yes. Um, and I love to see him getting all these uh, flowers and opportunity. Yeah. Also, shout out to uh, our friends over at Bravo. Dustin, I finally made a reunion. One way or another. or another. Okay, you got your time. Mama your reunion stage time. One monkey don't never stop no show. How about that? So, okay. And what a wonderful, I thought uh, your showing this mm. Sunday was even more noteworthy <laughs> because it was all about countenance, okay, and facial expressions mm-hmm. and reactions. I'm in my pantomime season. Yes, you are. <laughs> I, I, I said, look at her go, okay? <laughs> look at her go. I no, it was it. so funny uh, because I didn't know it, you know, obviously. we Dustin and I were, uh, we were in that episode of Watch What Happens Live together. Yes, we were. And we were both, I think, doing our damnedest to keep that neutral face. To keep it together, because I didn't know which way the camera was pointing, but I knew where my <laughs> eyes were going. Like, what in the <laughs> hell is she talking about? Like, what? It was it was a lot, and I swear, I thought I was giving neutral. That, <laughs> that was the funny part. Ebony, you literally turned around and looked at me a couple times. Just a co- <laughs> but I did, like, the tight neck. Yeah. I was like, what you thinking? Okay, what we doing? Okay. And, and we was thinking that. Same, Same damn thing. thing. Okay, there you go. So that was shout out to Bravo. That was a, that was fun mm-hmm. uh, to watch that cute little edit they put together. Of, you uh, look the, good. The they needed faces. to see you again in that green pantsuit. They needed to see that one more time. So good. Child, it was it was fun. So that was funny. Somebody said uh, Ebony K. Williams was on the reunion, and uh, no words were needed. None. No, the face told it all. So there was that. Mm-hmm. Oh, also for this weekend, and we're gonna get to Mr. Chris Rock in a minute because I know <laughs> I know I know I already know what that is. Creed three, mm. the good good sister Kadera Lowe and myself went to see Creed three. Kadera, you just mm-hmm. got to shake your head at this Kadera. <laughs> we went to see uh, Creed three. Phenomenal. Yes. Phenomenal. And and when I say phenomenal, Dustin, I'm talking about from a storytelling mm-hmm. lens. You know how it is with these trilogies mm-hmm. and these, mm-hmm. you know, sports action it's movies. It's right or it's really wrong. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you know they just be doing something to to get that money, and it's yep. obvious. No, they took their time with this one. 
Yeah. This story is an explore, and I really want you to see it, and I want us to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's a real exploration, and it's a challenge of black masculinity. Mm. You're talking about everything from the prison industrial complex. Mm. You're talking about emotional abuse, physical abuse mm. in the mm-hmm. home. You're talking about a lot of challenges to uh, what we allow for black men to be in this society. Yeah, good. And it's Shake good. it up. I and like they that. shook it the fuck up. And shout out to Michael B. Jordan also, who directs this film. Go on, Michael B. Yeah. Okay. I've heard nothing but good things about the film. So it's excellent. Yeah. It's ex- and very thoughtful. Like from the wardrobe, they styled the fuck out of Miss Tessa Thompson. Good. It, it just good. it gave. Good. Okay. I'm I'm definitely gonna go see it. You know, it's a bunch of black people in it anyway. I'm going. I'm gonna pay yeah, it's my a bunch ticket. Of, it's a bunch of black people. It's Ryan Coogler mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. wrote and produced it. It's just it's excellent. You know, to me, it's it's giving. You know, if you were a Black Panther fan, you're going to love this film. Can't wait to see it. Period. Yep. Uh, so shout out to that. Now, last, uh, before we get to our wonderful docket for the day, some of y'all spent the weekend watching uh, the Chris Rock special. <laughs> some of y'all. Certainly not me. Certainly not I. <laughs> certainly not. Okay. Let's be extremely clear. Uh, he already got all he getting from me mm-hmm. when he got that 300 some dollars for that ticket yep. at Madison Square Garden. And then he caught the back of your back. You know, when I was when I was when I was flying to <laughs> okay, checkers. There you go. <laughs> you know, I'm, I have nothing more to say, y'all, except for I told you. Mm-hmm. Some of you knew it. Some and some of y'all rightly were like, "Well, e, you late?" Because mm-hmm, we've known that about mm-hmm. Chris Rock. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Some of y'all were in your feelings, saying, "You know, I was uh, in the wrong for my commentary and critique." All I'm going to say is now that the material is out. Yeah, you want me you, to say it? Go ahead. Fuck y'all. <laughs> okay. Fuck yeah, because you, you were completely justified in your opinion <laughs> totally. of what you saw. Of you what didn't write I saw, what how he it wrote. Landed what you for saw me. it, and you had an opinion. I had I had a strong opinion. Yeah. I, had a visceral, I had more than an opinion, Dustin Ross. I had a visceral reaction. I'm going to tell did. you why. And, and I, I do know, because I asked somebody that did watch it, um, was this particular bit in there? And he said no. Because, you know, you, mm-hmm, you're a comedian. Mm-hmm, you're, mm-hmm. you're a stand-up artist. You know, you try out certain mm-hmm, bits. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, when you do the final project, some is there and some is not. Yes. But let me tell y'all when I when I got up to go. Mm-hmm. It was when this black man in America stood on that stage in front of a 90% white audience in New York fucking city and said that his property value in his neighborhood was going down because too many black people we're moving into his subdivision. Now, Dustin, you know how I feel about this. We talk about this yeah. issue of black home ownership yes. on Holden Court it's all the time. It's very important to you. Yeah. It's very so it's personal. Very it's personal to me because I, as I write in my book, Bet on Black, the, the good, good news <laughs> about being black in America today. Get that where you get your books. Now. Uh, right now. I have a whole chapter called Leverage that is about how it's hard to be free mm-hmm. when you don't own anything. Mm-hmm. And how our liberation as black people, especially in this country, Dustin, is tethered to property ownership of some sort. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the headlines, you look at how black folks' houses are appreciating at 30, 40, 50% less than market value compared to whites. You look at black folks being denied mortgages and underwriting processes 20, 30, 40% more often than white folks. When you look at black neighborhood appreciations uh, stagnating, Ain't shit funny about that to me, Chris Rock. Absolutely not. It's not at all. And all you're literally doing is reinforcing a narrative of black undervaluement. And that is something we simply, pun intended, cannot afford. We can't. And you know what else it is? A slap in the face. Which is, that's why I say you need to get slapped again. (laughs) Okay. That's why I said it. 
I also so. saw, of course, I didn't watch the special because I just wasn't interested. I'm not even boycott. I just, no, I just, wasn't interested. There were other things to watch. He, I like did PBS. see, <laughs> like the paint drying right, on like, the wall. Like Bob Ross. Okay, yeah, grass grow. Yeah. But anyway, um, I saw that he had made some jokes, we'll say, about, or he offered commentary, because this wasn't jokes to me, it was commentary. Commentary. On Meghan Markle and her experience over in Britain. And he was saying that she should have expected it and... Just all these things that he was saying. He that, just sounded pussy to me. Yeah. Like the whole thing was giving giving bitch assness and pussy. Cause why who, there? Why yeah. like why is that what you're choosing to discuss? It's dated. I actually um, saw a viral clip um, in my inbox. Uh, the good brother Cedric the Entertainer. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the noobs. Yeah. <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh, <laughs> who was sitting on the podcast with Shannon Sharp, mm-hmm. Shay Shay Room mm-hmm. Club, mm-hmm. Shay Shay, whatever Shannon mm-hmm. called that shit. Anyway, and Cedric to me made a, the brilliant. It's really cute. He's like, me and my family was sitting around watching Delirious over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And we was like, nope, can't say that. Nope, can't mm-hmm. say that. Nope, can't say that. Shit, when you look at it, Eddie Murphy ain't really that good. He was trying to, he, it was really <laughs> yeah, cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, his Hilarious. obvious point was when you take the comedy of yesteryear and things that wholeheartedly were universally acceptable to make commentary and jokes around, whether it be homophobia, uh, colorism, mm-hmm. uh, just blackness in general. It was, it had a moment in time mm-hmm. and it had a place. But as, and this is Cedric the Entertainer saying this, not me. He said, but as we know better, as we become more educated and essentially more conscious of the damage done by reiterating some of those tropes within our own community, mm-hmm. we must evolve. And if you're funny, you can you be can. funny about, about anything. Any, that's the point I was just about to make. There's a way to, there's a, there's a way to find humor. Mm-hmm. In, in the experience of almost anything. Yep. Almost. Because there's certain things sure. that I just won't joke sure. about. You know, certain things just aren't funny to me. Mm-hmm. But there's a way to make jokes about other things. So. And, th- and, and I'll end it on a positive note. And that's how we know Eddie Murphy really is that good. Because he can go from delirious to raw to Dr. Fucking Doolittle to, you know, the moment in time of what's the new Netflix, um, you people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's going to always find the moment to be legendarily funny. Shout out to Eddie. That's what makes him the best. Yeah, and I'm late to that party, too, because I feel like we were talking about this the other day. I feel like Eddie Murphy is extremely fine now, but I feel like mm-hmm. I'm just now coming to that mm-hmm. realization. Yep. And you you said he's been fine. Well, that's why his girl wanted to party all the time. That's why. <laughs> but he said, you know what he said about that? Hmm. We go. If you know, you know. <laughs> all right, let's get to our docket. So, it was hilarious. All right, so Drew Sedora has definitely filed for divorce from her husband, Ralph Pittman. This is uh, out of Real Housewives of Atlanta News. Uh, we know that the first part of that headline read differently. And yes. people were up in arms. Yeah. Because the, 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 the People magazine article said that Ralph filed for first. divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was real messy, so we'll get to that. And, and really why that's important for you, uh, if, if you are listening, jurors, and you are thinking about contemplating divorce, we're going to zoom out on that one. Right. And we're going to make it make sense for, for, for everyday folk. Number two, this is a jury juror produced one, uh, Dustin, on the docket today. We a love juror, that. We, we love, we shout out to our co-producer, our jurors. <laughs> yeah. A juror asked me a really, uh, I think, smart question, Dustin. She was like, Auntie E, tell me why Tory Lanez's sentencing has been delayed and delayed again. So now we're looking at an April date, maybe. Mm-hmm. But 
Alex uh, Murdoch, Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, murderer, now convicted double murderer of his wife and child in South Carolina, mm. that motherfucker got sentenced within 24 hours. Yeah. Why is that different? Why was his shorter than Tory Lane? Correct. Uh, immediate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I see what you did. Y'all didn't see that. If you're not watching, Dustin pulled a shorter <laughs> vertical. Okay. And we're going to finish up with this white student su- sues Howard University for discrimination. A lot of people tagged me in this one. This uh, shit got me so hot. hot. We'll, I can tell we'll your whole face dropped. Yeah, like, yep. we'll get we'll get. Dustin there. went from murder, like, okay. And mm-hmm. then you say, right. <laughs> but where I draw the damn line. That's how I could have got a line. When a you white sp- motherfucker at Howard ain't going to. And when you sue the HU. <laughs> now I got something to say. We got a problem. Okay. Okay, so we're going to do that. <laughs> All right, let's start with uh, Drew Sidora and Ralph with this messy divorce. Uh, so let's talk about divorce filing. Yes. Number one question, does it matter who files first? The answer is it can. Mm. Now, I'm going to go through these facts for Drew and Ralph, and the, the, the answer around their filing order is it's not going to matter much at all because it was so close in time. Oh, okay. You know, why, okay. You know it's cute and it's maybe, you know, social media fodder to talk about, oh, she's, she filed a whole 61 minutes earlier, you know, so she filed first and they was running to the courthouse and the race memes and all that shit. But essentially, for a court's perspective, they filed at the same time. Okay. Because they filed, they literally filed at the same courthouse. Uh, on the same day. To, on the same day. In, within the same afternoon, mm-hmm. uh, Gwinnett County, shout out to them in Georgia. So that's important. So they both filed within uh, that afternoon on the 27th of February. Drew is saying many things. Uh, whew, let's look. Okay, Ralph is saying this. They separated on the 19th. It looks like that's something they don't disagree upon. Ralph wants joint physical and legal custody. Those are two different things, by the way. Break it down real quick. Physical, of course, is what it sounds like, who the children are are staying with, okay. living with. Legal custody is stuff, Dustin, that lets you decide where they go to school. The decisions. The cho- decision making. The decision okay. making. So he wants joint for both. Fine. I don't see that being a problem. And they got two kids, seven and five years old. Ralph says that Drew makes enough money from her TV show job to not need spousal support. I'm sure that's true. Uh, he does say that she's rolling in the Bravo dough, but claims that she hasn't made any financial contributions to their household throughout the majority of their partnership. Mm. That's a, mm, okay. How were they living? Because I still, do you know what Ralph does? Cheat. How were they, allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. Uh, Yeah, I don't, okay. That that one doesn't, the math not mathing on that. Ralph says he wants to maintain occupancy of his ownership, rather, of his Porsche and his 2018 Cadillac. And then he wants, of course, Drew to take responsibility for her 2021 Cadillac. Mm-hmm. Okay. That all sounds standard, I will say, generally speaking. Now, let's talk about what Mr. Dora's saying. My, what, it, it's just funny to me that my mama calls her Drusilla. <laughs> <laughs> and if you know that that from reference the, from, from the stories, from Young and the Rest, yes, yes, from the, from stories, the stories, yes. <laughs> I said, Mama, that woman's name is not Drusilla. <laughs> Her name is Drusadora. Yes. She's like, girl, you know what Drusilla. That was, wasn't that Victoria that Rowell's to- character? You know, mm-hmm. that was the legendary. Yeah, Victoria, Victoria Rowell. Rowell. Yes, yes, ma'am. And now Mama, Mama done brought it back to life. Talking about she, Drusilla. 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 Okay. Uh, okay. Anyway, shout out to Mama Gloria. <laughs> yes. Drew has said in her filing that Ralph is a serial cheater. This mm-hmm. is her allegation. And an adulterer who has, this is my favorite sentence in the whole filing, allowed his multiple paramours mm. to have direct contact and to flaunt his affairs. She's talking about them being able to DM her mm-hmm. and just essentially playing her face Rubbing about her, her face. Husband. Your man's in my messages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. And sending, you know, all kind of pictures, we'll <sighs> say. 
Okay, Drew also alleges that while married, she uh, was tempting, considering to file a temporary protective order huh? and take the children to Chicago where they could feel safe. So that's a different kind of allegation. Mm. Okay, but again, not uncommon, y'all. When, when people start talking about divorce and custody and support, it's not uncommon to start seeing these domestic, these undertones, mm-hmm. right? Because this, now personally, I don't like this kind of thing in a filing. Because to me, it's, it's like Monique say, say, say your plan to get off the, off the school, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Keep it on the playground, rather. What happened? So, or, so yeah. I don't really want to hear about, I almost filed a this mm-hmm. and I almost felt unsafe. Either you felt unsafe and this is what you did about it or keep it on the playground. Mm-hmm. But, but here we go. Drew also alleges that Ralph was financially abusive. That part seems believable to me. Very much so. Uh, throughout their marriage, and that he recently withdrew a large sum of money from her bank account is the way it's phrased uh, in the complaint. The two have been married since 2014, so almost a 10-year marriage there, and they, again, have those two children. Reactions before we get to the Zoom out. Not surprising if you watch The Real Housewives of Atlanta, the season, she's, she came on in season 13. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you've been watching since then, it's not surprising. Their marriage has been had all sorts of problems and things happening that were since questionable. Since we met them as a couple. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not surprised. I just, to see it get to this point, because to me, this is like nasty at this point. Already. Yeah. From season one, I already told you I wouldn't be involved in no shit like, you know, you, that was you clean episode it up. Episode one, season one, keep it playing. So I'm not Dustin surprised. Yeah. I just, you know, I hate to see another black family going down the tubes, you know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm trying to find some ebony. Yeah, that hit heavy. <laughs> it, 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 I just had this glimpse of Mary J. You know, I'm going down. Ooh, okay, wow, shit. Because Ralph ain't around. Yeah, because okay. Ralph ain't around. He in Tampa. Didn't he go to Tampa that season? And we where still she didn't know don't what? know. And we still don't know what happened in Tampa. Ain't too much to do in Tampa. Outside of going to the game, you go be on the pirate ship at the football game. Uh, Justin, <laughs> stop. Okay, so zooming out. In, in in normal circumstances, who matters does who mat who files for divorce first can matter. Okay. And let me tell you how. The person that files first, and when I'm saying files first, I'm not talking about this little petty shit they do in 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about I filed a month ago mm-hmm. or I filed four months ago. Mm-hmm. So if there's a somebody that files first, they get the following in their advantage. They have a choice of which court and location. So if I'm filing and we're married, Dustin, and I decide I'm going to file first. And, you know, I'm just making this up. Let's say you live in, the, you know, Manhattan and I need to file in Staten Island because that's mm-hmm. why I've taken our two children to feel safe and refuge. Mm-hmm. I can do that. Mm-hmm. And now I have, I've compelled you to have to come to Staten mm-hmm. Island to fight this litigation with me. It establishes. It establishes jurisdiction. Yeah, okay. Exactly Okay. Right. It can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, and I think this is the most important part of filing first it also establishes positioning. Mm. When you file first, you are considered the petitioner mm. and the person that responds because literally they are now the respondent to what you to filed. What you filed. Now, that probably will apply to Drew and Ralph. It's just going to apply in a very s- semantics kind of way okay. because it was but but again, more when there's more space in between the filing, that can matter. Not not that it should, right? Like, it shouldn't matter if you're a petitioner or a respondent. Your facts are your facts. Your arguments are your arguments. But there's something to be said for drawing first blood. I totally get that. You know it what I mean? communicates something. It yeah. communicates something. And and there's, alre- there's already, it's a, it's a reason why they do a coin toss mm-hmm. in, in sports events. Right. Who's you know? going Who first? Who hits the field first? Yeah. Who's able to put points on the board first can matter. Mm-hmm. Hate to break it to y'all. 
okay? So the establishing of petitioner versus respondent is something that you get when you file first. You get to be the petitioner. You also get to control the timing, so to speak, to some extent, because you are initiating jurisdiction, you are initiating the timeline. So there's just more control that you get when you file first. This is another one. You get the first chance to file all those temporary orders. And a lot of times they come alongside the filing for the divorce in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I'm filing for divorce. Oh, and I'm also, by the way, y'all on to ask for temporary spousal support, uh, custody of the children, child support temporarily, protective orders, as Drew kind of played with, yeah. looks like in this complaint. Yeah. All of that, the freezing of joint funds. Mm-hmm. All of that is under your purview when you file first. Mm-hmm. And then the respondent has to respond to those requests. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really about positioning. And the big one is what I said, the ability to, to draw first blood in all hearings and trial. Mm-hmm. You will go first. Just like in a criminal case, the district, the state, the prosecutor, they get to go first. And the defendant is put in the position of defending, yes. responding, secondary. Mm-hmm. That's what you're talking about. Okay. Now. From the Dustin Ross School of Keeping It Player, what you can be, jurors, is like Auntie E and her Mm ex-husband, who really kept it player. And we did something called filing jointly. Mm. A lot of people, we don't hear much about this. But if it's truly amicable, you can save yourselves a lot of time and a whole lot of money Mm -hmm. by filing jointly. Mm -hmm. One one joint proceeding, one joint filing, one joint order of divorce. Mm -hmm. My ex-husband and I were in and out in six months. I never even saw the inside of a courtroom. That's the way it should be. Yep. Well, we was broke, both broken when they have shit. Mm-hmm. So that did make it easy. And we mm-hmm. didn't have any children and we didn't own any property. So if you're in that type of situation, and even if you do have a little something, if y'all can come to those terms on your own mm-hmm. and say, Your Honor, we have decided this is irrevocably broken. We have decided she going to keep that. I'm going to keep this. Mm-hmm. The children going to do this. And this is what we've agreed to. Sign on the dotted line. File that fucking cl- uh, clerk yep. stamp. Yep. And keep it cute. Yep. I love that. Yeah. Because all this messy back and forth nastiness, details being shared. I don't, and I, again, I just, I don't like a almost. Don't tell me that, that you thought about filing for a protective order. Right. Tell me you did or you did not. Or keep it out of my courtroom. Yeah. Wait till you, wait till this judge ever. Oh, I can't wait, baby. I cannot <laughs> I wait. Ma'am, ma'am. <laughs> ma'am. I can see and hear you right now in my head presiding. Presiding. And I cannot wait. Yeah. All rise. Okay. So that's that for them, too. So listen, jurors, if you or someone you know and love, <laughs> sound like a personal injury lawyer, uh, are, are call considering 1-800. Call, call 1-800-JOINT-FILING. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Uh, really, really think about the joint filing option if you can. Yeah, uh, it really is a, an ideal way to go, I would say. And if and if it's contested, which happens uh, more often than not, you know, you you might want to go ahead and get get to the courthouse on time. Yep, go on and get down there and establish that positioning. Because otherwise, you're gonna be a respondent. Mm-hmm. And again, that's not the it's not the end of the world for Ralph or anybody that files second. It's just the ladies that wear pink and green say it's one rule: mm. be first, never second. Mm. You better talk your AKA shit, Ebony. I well, love you know, it. I got my 08 You got the colors on. on, baby. Shout out to So Fresh and Greek. Okay. <laughs> now, this one from the juror. This is a really, really interesting one about sentencing. Okay. Tory Lanez, we know, was found guilty mm-hmm. of, of a variety of felonies uh, when he shot and attacked Miss Meg The Stallion. Yes. He's guilty on many counts of felonies. And he is yet to be sentenced. And a lot of people are wondering why. 
let's talk about that. So first of all, just last week, the judge pushed the sentencing for Tory Lanes to April 10th. He switched attorneys several times since being convicted of assault and two other charges talking about the follow, uh, sh- following the shooting of Meg the Stallion in both of the sisters' feet mm-hmm. during a 2020 argument in, in Hollywood Hills. This has been this is a saga of almost three years in the making. Mm-hmm. We finally have him tried. We finally have him convicted because even that took forever. Mm-hmm. And now it seems as if things are dragging on even further. Superior Court Judge David Hereford has agreed to rescind an order that had barred. Oh, this is the gag order that had barred the 30-year-old Canadian rapper from speaking publicly. So right. the gag order has now been rescinded. It'll be interesting to see if he thinks it's wise to speak. I, you took the words out of my mouth about that I was about to speak. Well, I, what do you have to say at this point? Until they do That's that gonna sentencing. That's going to help. Right. I wouldn't, say sh- I, I wouldn't say shit, period, but you definitely don't need to say shit before, before sentencing. Before sentencing, you need to lay as low as you can. Well, I was going to say, you don't have easy, that far just, to go. Yeah, just... Yeah. Okay. Lane's <laughs> new team of attorneys is expected to file a motion for a new trial, which is set for April 10th. My Here's birthday. the thing about now, why am I in? Is that your birthday? April 10th. <laughs> now, why am I in? See how I get thrown in stuff? Why am I in? Okay. How I get in? Right. Damn. And uh, that's uh, Ashley Hobbs' birthday, too, right? Uh, yeah, you know, we was trying to have a good day. That's going to be it. Well, yeah. it, it might still be. I mean, it's going to be a great day. It's y'all's birthday. I hate and to say it, Tori, but we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate <laughs> okay. regardless. <laughs> Now, he's facing up to 22 years and eight months in state prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not no light time. Let's no. be very clear. And that's what it is. Now, let's compare this mm-hmm. to the case that had gripped most of the nation. But I'll be honest with you. I, I for some reason, was so not mm-hmm. giving a fuck about this particular trial. Yeah. Well, I didn't give a fuck about it because we actually covered it on the friend zone oh, months okay, ago. Great. Months ago. Great. And then it got all these headlines afterwards. Um, yeah, all these Netflix specials. Yeah, all this, all this stuff. stuff. Yeah. Ain't that funny how that happens? It's just it's like the um, Inventing Anna girl mm-hmm. who's now hosting dinner parties or whatever. Yeah. You know T. Cooper's her glam. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, it's let me not. Co- no, uh, I look, mean. I'm glad T. working, so listen, let me not put too much on and it. And I hope that the checks that she writes T. clear. Clear. That's, you know. Anyway, um, the rest of America was fascinated with this case, y'all. This is Alex Murdaugh, uh, South Carolina attorney, mm-hmm. uh, disgraced, of course. I-, I believe he was disbarred as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has now been found guilty of murdering uh, his wife and his son in cold blood. In cold blood, it was a month. This was a big trial uh, because, like, as much as OJ and stuff, I have you believe in trials take six months to a year. Most trials are a day. Mm-hmm. Or, or less than five. Mm. Most trials are done in a week. Mm-hmm. This was a full 28-day trial. There were like 70-some witnesses. It was a big to-do. This happened in South Carolina, as I said. He ends up being unanimously found guilty of two counts of murder and of using a weapon during the commission of a violent crime. Yep. Within 24 hours, Alex was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences for the murders of his wife and son back in 2021. Now, why are they being treated differently? That's the question from our juror, and I think it's a brilliant one. Mm-hmm. The first is the obvious one is murder. Mm-hmm. When it's a murder conviction, there is no wiggle room around sentencing that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It is immediately remanded into custody, and that's that on that. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, Tory is in custody. He just has not been sentenced yet. Right. But you're going to be remanded. You're going to be put in custody regardless. The only thing I can tell you that Tory is being permitted to have these delays around sentencing, is it some special treatment due to the nature of his celebrity? I believe so. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep it a buck with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe if this was any other person, especially any other black man off the streets, 
of Atlanta. There would not be delays in sentencing at like all. This. Yeah, you know, or excuse me, Los Angeles in that case. Yeah, because that's a he was tried in Los yeah. Angeles County. That he would have been sentenced immediately as well mm-hmm. because of the nature of Tory, because of the the profile of attorneys. This mm-hmm. is where who is your counsel matters mm-hmm. because of the relationships that the attorney, the new attorneys that Tory has on his case. That is allowing for a reasonable extension of time for him to get his new counsel on the case for them to get up to speed on all the facts from both an appellate level but keep in mind y'all the appeal has nothing to do with the sentencing okay but but a he's going to probably have a whole sentencing hearing because again he's looking at 22 years and eight months and it's two phases mm-hmm. two phases versus with the murder case for murder that's a, that's an automatic sentence you know there's not a lot of discretion for the judge in that. No, if the, you guilty the mur- of murder, yeah. it's life. Mm-hmm. That's it, unless you live in a death penalty state. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he was ever looking at the death penalty in that particular case. So there was just a little bit more regulation in the Murdoch case because it's murder, and there's less discretion of the judge in that case because it's a mandatory life sentence because of the nature of it being murder. Right. So there's that. Versus what Tory is dealing with has more legal ambiguity Mm -hmm. the judge is going to have a ton of discretion in that case he's looking at up to 22 years i've seen based off of you know some would argue relatively moderate injury to megan Mm -hmm. meaning it's not like she's paralyzed or disabled Mm -hmm. so based on that because of the nature of the crime a felony level assault i could I, i expect him to get less than five years for sure really yeah yeah okay that's what I expect. We, who knows? We'll see. The judge could throw the book at his ass. I don't know why. In my head, I was thinking he was going to get like more than five, like 10? but less than 10. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking I was going to see about seven about or eight. About seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Listen, it's possible, but for some reason, and I, if she, if he had done the same thing, Dustin, mm-hmm. shot this woman in both of her feet and everything else crazy he did that he got, you know, uh, convicted felon, carrying a firearm, all that stuff, and Meg had, he hit the wrong nerve. And she couldn't walk. And she couldn't walk. Or she had any level of paralysis mm-hmm. or anything like that. I could see it closer to a 10-year sentence. Maybe okay. even more. Yeah. But I think because the severity wasn't at that level, and that's not to say she still was not shot in both of her damn feet mm-hmm. and has had tremendous emotional turmoil and trauma on top of the physical sure. assault, which is you know playing out in real time. So we'll see. But for some reason, just especially these kind of the old school judges, like if it's if it if it doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. So it's like a Okay, that's terrible. He's guilty. He's definitely going to jail. Let's be clear. Probably will be deported back to Canada after his conviction. Mm-hmm. A la Joe, Joe um, what was Teresa's uh, husband? Judice. Mm-hmm. Judice. Judice. We yeah, still whatever. don't know. <laughs> Judice. Right. Uh, Judice. Whatever. Right. Um, Tory will be remanded back to Canada, I'm sure. But that is why you are seeing these delays. This is because he has hired the legal team that's got those relationships. They can go into chambers with the judge and say, Your Honor, we need a month to get up to speed on the the, the underlying nature of the charges so we can adequately present to this court in arguing for the most lenient sentence possible for our client. And because of those relationships, they were granted that. Correct. Yeah. Because just as easy, that's the thing about judicial discretion, y'all, just as easy as a judge can grant it, they can deny it. Yeah. You know, so if you got the different kind of counsel, (laughs) the ones that either don't know how to ask for the extension or don't have the 
the, the either credibility or a pool mm-hmm. or juice or whatever you want to call it, that could be denied. And it's like, yeah, counselor, uh, I don't really give a damn. See you tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, AKA, against tomorrow. nigga, I don't know you. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Right. Remember I was corny back at school? Yes. It's okay. a denial. Huh. If I, I'm telling you, it, it would make no sense for me to be a judge because I would carry my gavel with me in my other parts of life. Like everywhere I go, I have my gavel and I'm At making my points everywhere. Yeah. Damn it, I said no onions. <laughs> I'm telling you, every, every 86 time. 86 to cheese. That's it. Boom. Get out the way. I'd be blowing my horn and hitting the gavel right, on the right, dashboard. Right. You know, so Order in the court. That's right. Order in the traffic. Order on the street. That's it. Uh, that's funny. That's funny. So that's the difference with there. And thank you for that question, Jewel. Yeah, excellent question. Excellent well, you know, the Jewel's smart as hell. Smart as hell. Smart than a mother. If you listen I, to this show, listen. you're smart. Clearly. I actually believe our audience is one of the smartest in the whole podcast. Completely game. agree. Yeah. Shout out to y'all. Y'all yes. are dope. Okay. Last but not least, this is uh, this is the one that's going to have uh, Dustin real hot under the collar. Oh, my God. A white student who was attending Howard University has sued H.U., home of the bison, mm-hmm. the Mecca, mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. one of the great universities of American history. Mm-hmm. Boasts alumna like the Thurgood Marshall, right. Supreme Court Justice, Tony Morrison, mm-hmm. Sora Felicia Rashad, Sora Tony Morrison as well, Taraji P. Henson. Yes. Just yes. a litany. Chad, Chadwick Bozeman. So many. Just yeah. It's good stuff. Howard is important to the culture. Let's be very clear. Absolutely. It was uh, one of the colleges that was established during Reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Post Civil War, I want to say 1867, uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, uh, we are not the black culture we are today without Howard University. I'm going to leave it right there. Undoubtedly. So, this particular white student, Michael Ray Newman, was expelled from Howard and he is now suing Dustin Ross. He's saying allegedly he was discriminated against because of his race and that he had to endure a hostile environment. He attended Howard University School of Law in fall of 2020 after having received a $26,000-plus annual scholarship, and he was expelled about two years later. The lawsuit, which his attorney filed just a couple weeks ago in Superior Court of District of Columbia, said that he suffered, quote, emotional, mental, and economic harm. And he is seeking over $2 million in damages. Now let's see what Howard's saying. Frank Tramble, vice president and chief communications officer for Howard, says this. While the university declines to comment on pending litigation, substantively, the university is prepared to vigorously defend itself in this lawsuit and that the claims provide a one-sided, self-serving narrative of the events leading to the end of the student's enrollment at Howard. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about what Mr. Newman says. That's another um, Young and the Restless name, by the way. Victor, Victor Newman. Newman. <laughs> you better. Because you know we would. <sighs> okay. Newman says, mm-hmm. the comments on a professor's forum page were made where students engage in public debates, which is the nature of college and right. law school. That's it's, it's a thought forum. Right. That's what you're there for. Right. Now, he says he then moved the discussion to the forum after he voiced his opinion in a previous group me chat about disagreeing with the black community, saying that, quote, they believe government solves problems. So this is what this white Howard University student is saying about black folks. They believe 
them people <laughs> believe that the government solves problems. And he counters that with his belief as saying that the government only creates problems. Okay. He also compared himself in a Zoom chat box as a white student at a historically black university to a black student attending a predominantly white school, saying that he felt, quote, utterly disenfranchised. <sighs> Let's keep going. Because he did. Because he, he did. Mm -hmm. After both incidents, Dustin, Newman says that classmates contacted the school administrators and sought for him to be expelled. Right. And some of those students complained that the controversies that he caused distracted them from their, from their studies. Very interesting claim. Newman apologized to his classmates formally and verbally. Uh, a classmate in 2021 discovered and retweeted a July 2020 tweet from his Twitter account which showed the infamous image of the emancipated slave Gordon. Mm -hmm. This is uh, the gentleman that Will Smith portrays in Emancipation, yep, the film, yep. uh, known as Whipped Peter. And it, the tweet said, but we don't know what he did before this picture was taken. And that's coming from a white male student enrolled at Howard University. As he is enrolled. As he's enrolled. He tweets that. We don't know what happened before the picture was taken. It's giving, if he had complied. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> So Newman's comments prompted a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the law school dean, mm -hmm. Danielle Hawley, and Reggie McGee. That's the global head of diversity and recruiting for Howard. A town hall was called where Newman explained his tweet as showing support for racial minorities who suffer violence by police. This is just outrageous. After more accusations of Newman's mistreatment of black students, a complaint was filed by the dean, McGee, and the university then expelled him. So that's how we get to expulsion. Mm -hmm. um, after several things, the tweet, talking about we don't know what he did before this, uh, talking about whipped Peter. Uh, we're talking about him talking about the blacks think that government solves problems, but I think government creates problems. I feel uh, disenfranchised as a white student at a black campus, comparing himself to black students on predominantly white campuses. And all of that led to the expulsion. And really, his black classmates saying that they were distracted, Dustin, yep. from their ability to study at the highest level of legal scholarship from this man and his, and shenanigans. his, and his white tears. Yes, and his absolutely. So the suit claims that Newman has lost employment benefits and opportunities and has undergone emotional anguish and pain along with damage his reputation. The suit also says that as a white student, he belonged to the racial minority at Howard. All of this is set for initial hearing very soon, April 21st. Reactions, Dustin Ross. This is a waste of the time of everyone involved. Complete waste of time. Mm -hmm. And those students weren't exaggerating when they said that they were distracted from their studies by this, by him and his bullshit. Yeah. First of all, you have to, there's so many layers here, right? You have to think about what it takes for certain students to even arrive in, in a school or university like Howard, Absolutely. okay? To be there, their time, their, them taking up that space is a statement and is very valuable and it, that's an important a critically important time in their development and they have to make the most of that they can't fuck up while they're there and drop out and At lose all. these opportunities the stakes are too so high him, I, knew you, I knew you was gonna get rattled yeah because i'm about to knock this damn table <laughs> yeah. over him i feel like he's a plant i feel like he came into that school he's a mole. absolutely um, and he is trying to disrupt the harmonious learning environment that Howard University is known to be. And Justin, it pisses me the fuck off. Justin said the Proud Boy sent him. Yeah, I believe that. I believe, I believe that. I hear you. Yeah. So a few things. This is utterly outrageous, mm -hmm. as, as you've clearly indicated. 
And I actually have a, 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 a lot to say about this one because I started my legal career at Southern University. Mm-hmm, so I started mm-hmm. my legal career at a historically black law school. So I'm very familiar with this particular type of white student mm. because contrary to popular belief, almost all of these historically black law schools, and there's only a few, I can name them all on mm-hmm, one hand. Mm-hmm. Want to hear them? Here they go. Okay. <laughs> Howard University. Yes. There's a law school at Texas Southern University mm-hmm. in Houston. Mm-hmm. There's a black law school at North Carolina Central University mm-hmm. in Durham, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. You've got Southern University in yes. Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. And I believe FAMU still has a, a law school as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Florida A&M in Tallahassee. Yes. And I'm pretty sure that's it in terms of accredited black law schools mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. So that is already the tiniest pool of operations. Yep. Five on it. Five. He said, I got five on it. <laughs> and mend it. Okay. And mend it. Okay. <laughs> so let, let's start with that. So at, at, at almost all of those schools, about 50% of the enrollment is white. Now, let me tell you why. It's because law school, as you eloquently stated, Dustin, is already a higher echelon of bastion of learning. Mm -hmm. Not everybody gets into law Mm -hmm. school. Not everybody gets to go to law school. Mm -hmm. Not everybody certainly graduates Mm -hmm. from law school. So if you are a white student, regardless of, and, and this is where it's really important to understand the distinctions of why a student matriculates at a particular institution. Generally speaking, if you attend a historically black college or university, it is because you are tethered to the mission of that institution. Right. You believe in the legacy and the value of education and liberation for black Americans through higher learning. Yes. Right. That's that, th- those are in the mission statements of all of these mm-hmm. fine institutions. So that is generally speaking why a student would attend a Norfolk State, a Spelman College, mm-hmm. a Morehouse, Tuskegee, mm-hmm. you name it. Yeah. Now when you get to the law school sector, it's different because you've got students, some white, hell, unfortunately, some black mm-hmm. that don't give a damn about those missions, Dustin. Don't give a damn about them. Don't even, don't even know they exist. And they could even be totally hostile to those missions. They could be hostile, as I believe Mr. Newman here is, to notions of black liberation through education, black self-determination, black consciousness being elevated through tools of justice and liberty and legal mechanisms in which we have always relied on to emancipate ourselves. Shout out to Frederick Douglass. Right. Okay. Right. Ebony. You could be hostile to that and still take your white ass to Howard university school of law or Southern university in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Mm -hmm. because you are desperate for that JD Mm -hmm. because you are desperate to get that jurist doctor. So you can sit your ass for someone's bar exam and become a lawyer in America. Yep. So I think it's very important that we say that quiet part out loud because we cannot reasonably presume that every person, and we're talking about white people in this particular situation, right? That every white person that you see attending or matriculating or even graduating from a historically black institution, mm-hmm. particularly when it comes to their law schools, mm-hmm. their pharmacy schools, medical their schools, medical schools yes. okay, that they are tethered to the underlying mission of those institutions as black liberation points Mm -hmm. they are there for the for literally the paper yeah 
Yeah. And that is when you get a situation like this. Yeah. Somebody hostile to the very thing that this school was built for, Dustin. Yeah. It's and founded upon. Founded upon brick by brick. People have died for this type of educational opportunity in America. And you took your white ass there, Newman, and you knew what Howard University was, and you made it about you. You tried to, you had the audacity mm -hmm. to center yourself as a white man in America on a black, on some would argue, don't be mad at me, Hamptonites, <laughs> the black mm -hmm. campus of America, the mecca of black intellectualism. Absolutely. Which is Howard University. Absolutely. I'm going to say that. So to me, uh, again, he better be glad he ain't in Judge Ebony's courtroom. That's right. Because I hit his ass because this is definitely going to be a, this is a, um, let me see where he filed this. Let me get this shit all the way right. Ooh, I wish he was in my courtroom. Uh, <laughs> Superior Court of District of Columbia. That sounds like that's a state filing. But, oh, if it's federal, I hit him with that Rule 12B6. And all my lawyers out there and law students know what the fuck I'm talking about. That's that's year one, day one, federal civil procedure. That is a dismissal. Get this shit out of my courtroom. It is frivolous in nature. And matter of fact, run me some money for my fucking time. Yep. That's what the court says in federal Rule 12B6. That I'm going to actually charge you for wasting the court's time for even having to look at this frivolous shit. Because you knew it was some bullshit when you filed it. He deserves it. And the B is for bitch. How about that? 12B6. See, you know all the you legal just, jargon. You didn't just gave us a whole new statute. I'm ready to cuss his ass out because I feel like he's playing in everyone's face. face and he's playing in the faces yep. of the plight of black scholars in Absolutely. the United States Absolutely. and it's so nasty and disgusting and it's indicative of this new generation of people who are purposely mm -hmm. infiltrating these spaces Absolutely. to disrupt them yeah and I hate that he has done this and distract I'm glad you mentioned that because that's another point I wanted to make I believe it's the good soil and Howard alumnus Toni Morrison that says mm -hmm. a lot of the work of white supremacy uh, and anti-black racism is to distract us mm -hmm. as black folks from the joys of life, mm -hmm. from the spaces in which we can be focused for our advancement as a people on this land. Mm -hmm. And it is to keep us distracted with the bullshit of anti-blackness and white supremacy, like having to have a fucking town hall. I wish I was in law school, Dustin. And over the mic, uh, hey, can all two L's report to the such and such dormitory? Uh, because we need to have a town hall to address the white fragility of your white classmate, Mr. Newman. Immediately, I wish I would. Yeah, I wish Newman. I would. That nasty ass salad dressing, anyway. Right, knowing damn, <laughs> knowing damn well, I need to be somewhere studying con law, though. You know, you know. And I'm dealing with this fool. Right. No. Yeah. So if anything, I, I think he's open to punitive damages here. Mm. Uh, I would love to see all of the black students and really black students and non-black students who also have been disrupted by this bullshit. Everybody, everyone connect around him around has corral. been disrupted. Everybody disrupted. to corral and, and, and they've been disrupted. They've been distracted and they have had their time held hostage. That's it. By this fuckery, because yep. that's exactly what it is. Yep. Yeah, I'll 12B6 his ass right on out my that's courtroom. Right. And, and and again, run me my money. That's right. And if, it, and if I don't get my money, now you're in contempt. That's right. Well, and as soon as you walk out that courtroom, you're in contempt, because me and my right. friends going to be waiting. Right, okay? right outside. With our HU hoodies on. Yeah. Okay, let's work. So, you know. Well, at least we know we're on the same page, per yeah, usual. Per usual, yeah. but, but I, I really wanted to spend some time on this one because a lot of people presume that that, that Newman would be an anomaly at a historically black... It's about 40, 40 50% on any given day yeah. of law students 
professional school students at these HBCUs that are white. And it's, I personally I have no problem with a non-black person attending our institution. No. But what you need, what you cannot do is take your, bring your white ass on a black campus and have the audacity to center yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not happening. It's not because this ain't about you. It's literally and not you about you. you need to understand where you're stepping into before you step. I'm not going to say nothing about his feet. But you need to understand what you're stepping into before you enter the space. Yes. I'll just put it like that. Because uh-huh. we joking and shit, but this is really dangerous to me. Oh, it's a toxic. It's a toxic. It, it would be a toxic pattern. Right. And listen, there have been instances of this. Like, this is not new. We nope. It's always some fuck shit when you start talking about these white folks that bring their asses on these black campuses. Yeah. You know, this is this is... But but to see it go to litigation at this level... Come on. And with the nature of these claims... This is this intentional. Is, this is outrageous. No, I would not be surprised if you're right. All back to the beginning, uh, Proud Boys, MAGA, somebody probably sent him yep. for this Old posture. keepers. Yeah. For this posture yep. right here. Yep. It's called a test case. I believe it. Yeah. Whatever, there's already been, we've talked about it before, how they've busted uh, lines of communication between these groups where they were intentionally putting people on police totally. forces. Uh, entering teachers in the school systems who share these beliefs and shit. You, this is what they do. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but shout out to Howard University for, uh, I know they're going to handle this with grace mm-hmm. and sophistication. And please don't don't play with Howard University School of Law in the fucking courtroom. You're going to find out, yep. like everybody that went up against Thurgood Marshall found out. Yeah, good. Good for him. Good. Yeah. yeah, I love that. So, listen, Juris, thank you so much. Um, that's going to do it for this week's episode. I, I just really need y'all to stay diligent. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I'm taking away from this mm-hmm. with Dustin. Absolutely. Be first, not second. Right. <laughs> about to shout out to Delta Sigma Theta. I, you know I have to say it. <laughs> I had to say it. I love some of my best friends are Delta. Shout I like I like Lowe. this. I like to see y'all do this with each it other. Is, it's cute. Yes. You know what it's is cute? It's a sport. You know what is cute? What's cute about it is because it's it's really all love. Of course. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because yeah. it's like what what we share. Because both of our institutions founded at Howard University, 1908, 1913. Mm-hmm. Jokes aside, it don't matter which one it was. It's brilliance. Yeah. It's community. It's black women loving on each other yep. and building a legacy that we continue proudly to today. So right. I just want to say shout out to HU. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Minor Hall specifically. That's right. I hope all them bison run his ass over. Right. Literally, like a herd. That's right. <laughs> Stampede. Okay. <laughs> Stampede his ass. All right, y'all. In the meantime, uh, Dustin and I will be back. Court will be back in session. Uh, Dustin said he's going to bring a gavel next time. We're going to see. <laughs> uh, stay safe, y'all. Keep the faith. Read your terms and conditions. Okay. Holden Court is an Interval Presents original production from Uppity Productions in association with Dossie Media. Executive producer and host, Ebony K. Williams. Co-host and producer, Dustin Ross. From Interval Presents, executive producers, Alan Coy and Jay Kleinberg. Produced, of course, by Ashley J. Hobbs. Editing, sound design, and mix by Stephanie Morell. Original music by Epidemic Sound. Video editing by Kaysen Alexander and Courtney Deans. Consultant, Carla Wilmaris. Special thanks to Operations Lead, Sarah Yu. Business Development Lead, Sheffy Ellen Swag, And Marketing Lead, Samira Still.